You are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. In the Valley of the Sun by Slip and Mickey's on AO3. Narrated by the author. Chapter 2. 1. How does it feel to have cured cancer? asked Kathy Lee. Scully couldn't take her eyes off the rim of the host's wine glass. It was smeared with lipstick, and the wine contained therein had legs, running down the bell curve of the glass in thin amber stripes. It was oddly, surreally quiet on the unnaturally blazing stage, multiple cameras pointing at them, a team of professionals sitting in dead silence in the dark spread out below. I only wish I'd done it sooner, Scully said going off script a bit. I think of the people that died while we were still searching, still researching, while the studies were being checked, and I just wish I'd found it sooner. The host's face softened, and she reached forward and put her hand over Scully's on the arm of the chair where it was resting. She gave it a squeeze, and Hoda took over. Up next, the group BTS is going to sing us their latest single. There was a dull bell that rang off to Scully's right, and the stage manager stepped forward. Headphones clomped over his ears, his mic slung low around his jaw. We're clear, he called. Sixty seconds. The show would be cutting to a co-host standing at a stage set up outside 30 Rockefeller Center. Scully reached up to unhook the mic attached to her lapel, and a trio of sound technicians descended on her. In ten seconds, she was relieved of all equipment, and she was left swaying in the funnel of the frenels on the too bright stage. You did great, she heard from her left and the show's host winked at her and retook her hand, leading her to the dim cool just off stage. She found Mulder standing before her once her eyes adjusted, just outside the reach of the stage lights, looking nervous and out of place, his hands clasped behind his back. He was wearing a turtleneck and a suit coat, looking every inch the tenured professor. And who's this? Kathy Lee asked, looking at Mulder brightly. Scully shook herself, trying to remember her manners. It wasn't always easy, having spent so much time in the field. Uh, this is Mulder, she said. Dr. Fox Mulder, my, um, my fiancé. The television host smiled warmly at Mulder and clasped his hand. I've heard the story of your meeting, Kathy Lee said. It's a real pleasure. I'm a big Giants fan, Mulder said, giving her hand a firm shake. The pleasure's all mine. The host winked at him and then stalked off, and Scully exhaled, falling a little into Mulder's side. I'm glad that's over, she said. The price you pay for changing the course of human history, Mulder mumbled, squeezing her into his side and kissing her hairline. He led her off the soundstage and into a waning limo. Two. It had been a whirlwind since the Nobel Prize award ceremony in Stockholm. It was cold in Sweden in December, especially to a person who'd spent years in the humid jungles off the beaten paths of the world, and she and Mulder both felt out of place and perpetually in the clasp of a bone-clutching chill. I just want to be back in the field, she'd whisper to him, and he would kiss her hand. With the prize money, they could buy a house, start a family, but they both would rather be in a jungle somewhere, sweating into each other's skin on a too narrow cot in a too hot climb. There was no science when they were in the cradle of the other's hips. There was just each other. Sex made life more simple. Sex made life more fun but sex didn't cure cancer. Bluturus Mulderalis did that, 
and the world wanted to hear about it. Three, she had a free ticket. Any university, any assignment. I feel pressure, she told him, her nose pressed into his ear. What do you do after you've cured cancer? She asked earnestly. There's nowhere to go but down. He'd taken her to Rhode Island, to his family's cottage in Quanicatog, creaky and drafty and smelling of mildew and old pine. No one had visited in decades, and everything needed to be cleaned and aired out. They kayaked and frolicked in the waves, drank coffee in Adriandak chairs, and listened to the pinched squawks of hovering seabirds. They'd find a place in the dune grass, down low where the wind couldn't catch them. They'd soak up the sun and then go into the cottage and make love between the knotty pine walls, their moans absorbed by the thick shag carpet laced with the grit of sand, faded drunkard's path quilts nailed to the walls. Down is a state of mind, Mulder would murmur into her ear. Up is fighting gravity. You have nowhere to be but here. You have no one to impress but me. He would catch her lips with his own, and they would sink into each other gratefully. Four. Mulder was burning pancakes in the kitchen when there was a dull knock on the screen door. Scully was laughing at Mulder's culinary ineptitudes when she turned toward the sound, her laugh fading when a well-done-up woman appeared on the stoop, holding her hand up to shield her eyes from the sun's glare, trying to see into the murky depths of the house. "'Are you press?' Scully asked through the screen door glumly, her mood taking a nosedrive. "'I'm Samantha,' the woman said, and it took Scully a full five seconds for her synapses to fire to figure out the identity of the visitor. "'Oh, my God!' Scully said, swinging the door open to admit the polished woman waiting on the other side. The door itself was swollen with humidity and didn't shut all the way. It caught like there was a second latch. Come in, come in. Samantha had a full head of thick hair, just like her brother, but it was curled and tawny, streaks of not-quite-blonde highlights running from the roots. She was wearing Lily Pulitzer pastels and would have looked at home in a sun hat around the pages of Coastal Living. You must be Dana, she breathed, smiling widely. Scully nodded and looked around self-consciously. God, this place hasn't changed in 30 years, Samantha finished, shaking her head ruefully. Where's Fox? Kitchen, Scully said, inclining her head toward the cooking space, though she knew Samantha knew right where to go. You're using the cast iron, Samantha said boldly in a purpose of nothing, stepping into the sunny kitchen. God, I hope you seasoned that thing. Mulder's face brightened at seeing his sister, and he turned to her fully, enveloping her in a hug, a greasy spatula in one hand, held out so as not to soil her clothes. Like you can cook, he drawled, turning back to the smoking pan. I know enough to hire a caterer, she said, plunking down in an olive-green vinyl kitchen chair, looking at ease but totally out of place in the dated decor of the cottage. So, who do I have to fuck to get a mimosa around here? Me! said a voice from the entryway. The screen door slammed ineffectually shut, and Scully's own sister, Melissa, stood awkwardly in the slant of sun showing through it, holding several plastic bags laden with glass bottles and juices and a hopeful, nervous smile on her face. Missy? Scully squeaked, and Mulder looked to the door, his face chagrined and pleased as Scully launched herself at her sister, wrapping herself in the earthy patchouli smell of the woman, the plastic bags clunking to the floor at their feet. I got ordained online, Melissa said, drinking a Bellini from a yellow smiley face mug, her feet tucked under her on a rough-hewn dining chair. It's perfectly legal. But it's... Scully started, 
then abandoned her argument. She looked to Mulder desperately, who smiled and plunked a cup of hot coffee in front of her. It was only an idea, he said, squeezing her hand and sliding an ancient sugar dish in front of her. The crinkles around his eyes had hardened in the ocean-reflected sun, lending him an air of easy humor she hadn't witnessed much of in the jungle. Don't you need two witnesses? she asked, realizing how lame it sounded the second the words were out of her mouth. Samantha leaned over and grabbed her hand, squeezing her fingers in such a way that it made her feel bolstered and secure. Not in Rhode Island, Mulder's sister told her, looking her square in the eye. We don't have to do it, Mulder said, standing at her side. But I thought... She felt overwhelmed with emotion, thinking of her father, who hadn't lived long enough to witness her greatest achievement, which would have saved his life. Mom sent her wedding dress, Melissa said, holding up a garment bag. It was a yellowed ivory in the kitchen sun, the zipper up its middle, aged and brittle. They exchanged vows on a beach in front of the old cottage in a whipping Atlantic wind. Gulls hovered overhead, and the sun was as bright as a brass doorknob, the air clearer than glass. Samantha had read a poem by an amateur poet named Tim Pratt called Scientific Romance, Mulder having confessed to her later that night that it only seemed right to have a reading replete with scientific notation for a wedding between two people such as themselves. Melissa had read words as old as the institution of marriage itself, and they exchanged simple rings and had eyes only for each other. Scully handed her bouquet, a small posy of wild swamp azalea and yellow flag that Melissa had picked the hour before, to her new sister-in-law as she strode up the peeling wooden steps of the house. Mulder had insisted upon carrying her over the threshold, and Melissa and Samantha had stood back thoughtfully and were now sitting closely on the beach, heads bent together, talking in hushed tones. Scully didn't know quite what to do with herself, dressed in old lace in the heavy salt air, her left ring finger feeling as heavy and pendulous as an old bell. Mulder wrapped his arms around her from behind and told her they never had to leave. Noble laureates live in Rhode Island too, you know, he whispered into her hair behind her ear. Mm, she said happily, watching her sister and his dig their feet into the gritty sand. He kissed the skin where her shoulder met her neck. Life can be as simple as the state motto. Which is? she asked. Hope. Five. She stood above the river bank, the grass a trampled, muddy squelch. A monkey called from overhead, a high primate shriek that echoed through the canopy. Its compatriots soon joined in, the welcoming committee announcing the rare arrival of a visitor. He sat in the back of the approaching hollowed-out canoe, his knees practically to his neck, the lanky bones of him jutting out at all angles. He wore jeans and chambray, all wrong for the climate, but the blue set off the dark mink of his hair, and his eyes, as green as the river upon which this boat perched, caught hers from twenty yards away. They held her gaze as the craft glided to shore, and he leapt off with the galumphing grace of a power forward. Dr. Scully, I presume, he said, finding his balance on the slippery shore and reaching a hand forward. She clasped it gratefully, then brought it to her belly, which was protruding out like a carved fertility statue, a life-sized goddess, gravid and full. I thank God, doctor, that I have been permitted to see you, he finished, and they embraced on the shores of the jungle river perspiring and damp, and finally, finally feeling at home.
If you like this story, please follow the link to the writer's page and leave some love. Kudos, comments, or subscribe. They'll love hearing from you. Then you can head over to our Patreon page and contribute to Audio Fanfic Podcast. As a member, you are granted early access to one new story per month. That's www.patreon.com slash audiofanficpod. Thank you for listening, and remember, the stories are out there.